0: Welcome to this episode of Off the Record, Conversations on the Creative Landscape. My name is Philip.
1: Like I just keep pushing and I don't take no for an answer. And I'm really good at making decisions and really fast decisions. So I think that's why it looks like my output is pretty high.
0: Today with us on the podcast is Alex Proba. She's a graphic designer and renowned artist from Brooklyn, New York. And it's a super interesting episode for everybody who wants to understand how the artist journey actually might work out and how to go from a student in a completely different field to an internationally recognized artist. It's super interesting. Um, She's going to talk about all the products she has, about the people she's worked with, her favorite designers, uh, stuff that is annoying her, all the cool stuff you want to hear. So tune in and have fun. Welcome everyone. Today we have Alex Prova on the line. She is a Brooklyn-based artist and she does a lot, a lot of cool stuff. You can see it on our Instagram and on the blog. I don't even know how to describe it. It's beautiful, shapeful illustrations with a lot of colors and uh, on a lot of different objects and materials. Welcome Alex. Thank you for, for joining. And maybe we can already kick off with a short introduction of yourself. So Alex is Based in the United States, uh, basically Brooklyn, but now she's been living in Portland for the last year. Originally born in Germany, and also you've studied in Europe in in Hamburg and Eindhoven in the Netherlands. Maybe you could you know tell us a little bit about your journey.
1: Well, you did it better than I would have, so thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks for having me. Well, I well we went to high school together. I don't know if that's important here, but which is kind of cool to like reconnect yeah, on
2: this absolutely um,
1: medium. And so um, I went to high school mostly in the Cologne area. And um, then after that, um, being like from a family of doctors, like, you know, like all I could pursue in my head and my parents wanted me to do is medicine or something scientific or just like a normal job that pays the bills, I guess, Um, which I kind of did. I got into dentistry school, um, but then right when I was about to go, um i was just like holy shit um i don't want to do this like how can i get out of this and what do i do and then i was way too afraid to um explore art as a thing so i picked interior architecture and graphic design um and found a school in hamburg which kind of you know they didn't really have like a two-set um curriculum and you kind of could do whatever you wanted with it in a way and it was also instead of like three and a half years it took four years and was like a really long internship within it so um, I tried to apply did a portfolio secretly um, which is a whole different story I can tell you which is kind of funny and then when I got in uh, that's when I told my parents that I'm not gonna do dentistry and I'm just gonna go and do graphic design and interior architecture and that didn't land too well um, I I can imagine uh, with my (laughs) with my dad mostly my mom was just like thank God. Like, I'm so glad you're doing this. Like, I can't imagine you being a dentist. And so she at that time wasn't with my dad anymore, which helped probably to have her own opinion about it. But um, yeah, my dad wasn't too keen on it and kind of like stopped talking to me for a while. In a way, I think I used that as a fuel of like, just like proving him wrong that I'm not going to be a starving artist. I'm going to like pay my bills and I'm going to make a good life for myself with something I really want to do and I think that was like the biggest fuel of Mm. just like finishing school and being good in it and um and also with interior architecture I'm not the best in math and logical thinking so that was the other thing with uh, my dad which was like you're never gonna do it you couldn't even do algebra basically and I'm just like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna figure this out and then Mm. after graduation I think um I did like a graduation with Uh, one of my friends in school together we did like a dual I don't even know how you say it but like a dual assignment final assignment and we um we actually graduated as like best of class which was really great so I was just like cool achieved um maybe my dad will understand what that it's probably a good way to do Mm. that route for me but he still didn't and then I went to in that time in school I went to New York actually to work for an architect as a I don't remember, I think it was eight months or something, internship in the, uh architecture studio in Tribeca. And there I actually noticed that I really don't want to do architecture because it was, like, way too slow for me. And, like, there was, like, no instant gratification. It was a lot of just, like, concepting, a lot of waiting, a lot of um, endless hours just working on ma- master plans and then nothing really happening. And you could never see, like, the result, obviously, because building a building or designing it and then building it and all the construction, everything takes, takes a long, long time. You know. But a lot of architects don't even get that far, right? They just like have to like mm-hmm. submit a proposal or do a vision, a master plan. And it's just like a lot of work for not much like, yeah, like I don't even want to, like not celebration, but like no gratification, I guess. Um, and then I realized that pretty quickly and was like drawn more into like um, graphic design and just design. Visual design as a whole, but I still like making things and I still wanted to learn how to not just like do 2D things. So I decided to go to grad school uh, for furniture and product design in the Mm -hmm. Netherlands. Um, And that was like, my parents were like, What are you doing? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I was like, Oh no, it totally makes sense. Like, I, in my head, I kind of saw it all come together in the end, but I think for them, being doctors, it was really hard to imagine what I'm actually doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then yeah, in that time, my old boss, actually from New York, reached out that if I'm when I'm done um, with school, if I can come to New York again for a project, and I was like, sure, why not? That's like I have no plans. Like I love New York, and maybe I just go for that project and see what happens. And then mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then like 12 years later, I'm still here. Um, so that's like the short version of it, mm-hmm. um, but there's like a lot more to it.
0: But then you came to New York and you were still not an artist by yourself. There's this prequel, you know, of your education. And then how how did it happen that you became like an award-winning, like mentioned artist that is, that is super successful?
1: Well, I mean, let's just go back a couple of steps. Basically um, just like how I got raised, like art wasn't a thing in our family and it's not, I'm not blaming anyone. Um, like I don't blame my parents. I, I just, have different interests right they're like super science-based and they um love to travel and they showed us the world in many ways but um art wasn't a big thing plus they're not art educated either and they it's like hard for them to just like understand it so I didn't even know art was a thing when I was growing up like I had Mm -hmm. no clue that that's something you could do and and once I went I don't know if you remember but remember when I went to Ohio for that exchange year in like Mm -hmm. I think 11th grade when we were in high school and then basically in Ohio my host family um was the mom was a used to be a designer at DKNY in New York in the 80s and they were like super into art and they would just like take me to every museum in Cleveland and everything you could see and like the house itself was a piece of art like she just had she had like a room which was like her living room was like painted in like this weird watercolor blue thing and then Mm -hmm. she handwritten, like, uh, poems that she got over time from her friends and, like, handwriting over the walls. And I was just like, wow, this is so cool, this whole house. Like, every room is, like, an art piece in a way. And she was, like, very strong about, like, educating us, even though for me just that year uh, she was very strong in being like, you guys, like, this is, like, a path that you can go. And then Mm -hmm. I also ended up taking a lot of art classes in Ohio with 15, 16. And then my art teacher... At that time, Alan, he was like, you're good. Like, you should do something. I was like, no, it's, like, fun. It's, like, fun as a hobby. And then when I came back to Germany, I kind of, like, started painting and doing all these things that I never did. And my parents were like, hmm, okay, like, newfound hobby, fine. Like, Hmm. whatever, right? Like, at least she's, like, keeping herself busy. Uh, And then, weirdly, like, in the town I'm from, it's, like, super tiny town called Lüdenscheid. And they, it's, like, you know, the the perfume store Douglas. Mm -hmm. They... They asked me if they could have some of the paintings when I was, like, 16 uh, in, for the windows. And I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. Nice. I mean, looking back at the paintings, are like, yeah, like they're horrible, obviously. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> but, thank you for um,
0: supporting this kid.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but it was, like, really nice. And I was just like, okay, cool. And then my mom hung, like, a bunch of them in her office, which she still has. And I'm asking her, like, almost every day to put them down because they're just kind of embarrassing at this point. But she's like, nope, like they might be worth something. I'm like, okay. Um, so that was kind of the start of it where I was just like, okay, there's something and I, I'm i really enjoying this. So um, what I mentioned before with the the portfolio part that I did secretly, so I knew I couldn't do it at home because my parents would be like, what are you doing? Like this looks like not like dentistry. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they would totally have known what I'm doing. And um, so I asked them if I could go before starting dentistry if i could go to ohio to visit um my basically my host sister alexa and garen my host brother because we were pretty close at that point and then my parents were like mm, okay sure if they fine find well, you can go but both of them were in college none of them were home it was just a mom and so she knew about my plan so she like literally helped me to bust out that portfolio in two weeks um nice. and just drove me around ohio to what all the art stores and yeah like amazing support and then um and then she we did it and then I um actually didn't feel like when I got back I kind of like got cold feet and um and I was like okay no I'm just gonna do dentistry my dad is right like this is never gonna happen and so my um boyfriend obviously at the time you know high school boyfriend or like Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it he actually dropped off my portfolio in the uh, cool. Like Deutsche Post, basically, without really me knowing. And when I got the letter to be like invited for an interview, I was like, "Wait, how am I invited? Like, I didn't even send it. He did it." So I have like a lot of people that kind of like
0: believe in me more than wow. I did at that that's, time. That's and um, I must say, this is a really cute thing to do.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I'm still friends with him. Like he mm. he just had a baby, and we still talk. And it's like literally like 20 years ago, right, or even longer. Mm. Um, that I know him for and same with my family from Ohio I still I'm still in very good contact with them and talk to like I just talked to Alexa like two days ago and she's gonna oh, actually okay. write write all the text for my new websites and she's a bright art writer so like every like we're really close and it's been like so long ago but they've mm-hmm. been like such a big part of my life and like where I am today and I'm not saying my parents weren't it's like they were a different support right um, maybe maybe your so, parents
0: just just you know taught you other things you know i i expect them. yeah totally. i mean the way i got to know you in school you know you were always super disciplined super hardworking. i think this is also a gift you know your parents were able you know to 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 give you right
1: oh yeah and i i like now looking back you know with 35 i'm like maybe that was a good thing that did that obviously he didn't think that way but for me it was mm-hmm. like Maybe it was a good way because I would have never pushed that hard to, like, become what I am now mm-hmm. if it wasn't him, right? If he would mm-hmm. have been like, yes, honey, just do it. Like, you'd be great. I probably would have tried less hard, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really wanted to prove it to him that um, I can do it and that keep me, like, going in, like, you know, in, like, a city like New York with, like, a lot of competition, a lot of creatives, um a lot of like expensive apartments and everything like it just and I never wanted to ask them for money like that was like out of the picture, uh, just because I wanted to never be like hey you're right like I can't pay rent can you pay my rent kind of thing, and so I would ask my really my best friend Laura I would she's still in New York but I was ask her for like three hundred dollars to pay my rent and pay her back because in the beginning I didn't have the money obviously to hmm. make it work and she I met her at the architecture office and she. Um, I think she's like five years older than me so she kind of was like more settled already like she was an architect and she kind of had a better income than me in the beginning so she didn't mind helping me Mm. but there was like no way I could like call up my dad and be like hey um, can you help me you know so um, they probably don't even know that part that i that she paid for some of my rent sometimes. I mean I always paid for back. Maybe, but, um, maybe
0: they're gonna find out if they listen to this podcast. Maybe, but yeah. the English is not really good. Okay. <laughs> <Sort of laughs> so we're lucky. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so basically your question was about like how I became an artist and like I still think I'm an artist and designer and I know a lot of people don't see that line blurred but I think it's like a very blurry line of who you are and I'm totally graphic design or design trained and then the art just happened like I did not plan on it and um, it just everything every step I took I think just happened without me thinking about it I now get a lot of like mentor calls or like old coworkers or old student like um, interns and students um, calling me to like for for um, mentorship, or even just like to answer questions, um, what to do and what the business plan is. And I was like, I don't have a business plan. I never really knew what I'm doing. I just like went for it, and kind of like every day was a new day, and whatever happens happens. And so it's really hard for me to like give them like the best advice to how I'll become you know a successful artist or a designer or something. But what I always tell them is like you know you got to fail. Um, and failing is probably the best thing you can do because when you fail and you don't succeed in something, that's like when you like pivot and like change and learn mm. from it and you like kind of like pick another route or redo it or whatever it is. And um, I think that's kind of what I was doing and I had no clue what I was doing. And then from being an architecture and doing a project for my old architecture boss, um, I actually realize, I realized I want to stay in New York and that's the place where I want to be. And it's like my favorite Plays on earth i think and and so i tried to apply for like um graphic design jobs even though i never worked in graphic design because you know straight out of school and stuff so um again my um host sister alexa um she had a friend that run like started this business called general assembly back in the day now i guess it's been a while um and she sent him my portfolio and he just sent their creative director my portfolio and then it all came together and they hired me to be like on their brand team. And that was kind of my first like role in like graphic design. And I, I, I was working with Mimi, who is like an amazing, amazing person and creative and everything. So she is probably my mentor, I would say. Like if I needed help with anything, like I would go to her. And so she kind of, um, you know, took me, like I was the only brand designer with her. And the company was like really fast growing like when i started we were still like a co-working space and then it turned mm. into uh, a school because one morning one of the founders walked in and he was like how about we just become like a school we we just use classrooms instead of like co-working spaces uh, and things like that so we had to pivot and like create the whole brand like recreate the brand in the same way but mm. for being like a school uh, like a new kind of school t- teaching like digital marketing or coding or whatever it is if you want to switch careers and i think i mean they they since then got ip like ipo'd and got sold and everything but um i was there for a while and um while i was there i was kind of already feeling like not bored but like if you just work with one brand every single day you kind of as a creative or as me i guess as the creative i am you get bored Hmm. um and i was trying to like find something else and it's hard because you have like a visa and you can't just leave and do your own thing it's like really limited what you can actually do um in the us when you're you know when you're not when you're by yourself I guess so I had to stick around obviously for my visa and everything and um, Mimi actually left at some point and then when she left I was like, okay well, I don't really want to be here either just because like she was. She was the one why I was there kind of thing. And then mm. um, I tried to find another job and I got another job at Kickstarter, which again is like graphic design on the brand side. And we tried to like redesign Kickstarter at that time. And um, But again, you are in a brand every single day, which is not a bad thing. But for me, it was just like not the right thing. And, mm. um, and so at that time, I, I think right at the end of General Assembly, I started this project that, you know, the poster day one, which is a poster day, like how it sounds. But um, I didn't plan that one either. I had like 20 Instagram followers, I think.
0: Maybe for, for everybody who's listening. So a poster a day basically means every day you would sit down like 30 minutes and you would mm-hmm. just illustrate a poster and you would post it on Instagram and people could ask questions.
1: No, that was that was the second year. Okay, it oh, second that was later. Year. Okay,
0: So uh, every day you would sit down about half an hour and just illustrate a poster.
1: Yeah, so the idea was basically at that time um, when I started it to just do a poster every day, just to do something else than work and just, Mm -hmm. you know, just lose like also the fear of like sharing something online because a Mm -hmm. lot of people, you know, I can make a poster and then I don't like it and I can spend 20 hours on it and I still don't like it. So I think I was trying to lose that fear. So I started, told my friends, 20 Instagram followers at the time. I'm going to do this poster day thing for like 100 days or something. And they were like, yeah, right. Okay, cool. Whatever, right? No one really, really cared. Um, But I think I just needed to post it to like make myself, like hold myself accountable. And then what I realized that I could only do it after work, which was nighttime. Um, So I did it at nighttime and realized that every poster kind of was like the summary of my day, almost like a visual diary thing. And that's when I kind of like started enjoying it. I was like, oh, it's not even – just like a like going running, right, for health reasons. Actually mm. I like it. And at some point I think you like running when you're good in it and all these things. But like it wasn't like a chore, it was actually something I liked. And then it was mm. cool to look back at them and seeing like the days. And I didn't have my style defined. I didn't know who I am as a designer or artist at all. And so I just did whatever I felt in those thirty minutes that I set myself because I knew if I do it longer or tell me, like, there's no end, I will never, like, post anything because if there's, like, no hard ending, like, it's really hard to do something. And then, um, so I did that for a while and, and even when I was, like, coming from a party, like, I had too much wine to drink, like, I still posted it sometimes in blurry and people slowly started following it and would be like, wait, where were you? Were you drunk? Like, this is so blurry. I can't see anything. I'm like, oh, oops. Yeah, sure. But (laughs) I left it, right? I just left the blurry ones too or like the ones that were wrong because I just wanted to lose the fear of like sharing designs or Mm -hmm. anything, art. And then basically on like day, I don't know, even like 80 or something, blogs started picking up and like writing about it. And then I was like, oh God, like I can't just do it hundred days now because people are writing about it and then like I was kind of building an audience without even planning it and then you know the first year went by and I don't remember how many followers I had at that point but um, it was like quite significantly more than 20 and um, I then decided to like you know continue a second year and the second year was about you basically where you submitted stories and um, you could tell me whatever you wanted. Like I didn't tell people what to submit, just like tell me about you or your story or whatever you want to tell me. And that was the second year, which in my head would have been like stories that are funny or happy, but because my work is very happy and you know mm-hmm. vibrant and it's not really... Um, meant to make you sad so um but most of the stories maybe 80 percent, were super sad from wow. you know I from cancer to yeah like crazy from like cancers to rape to uh, assault to everything and I was just like oh my
0: why do you think people people especially share those kind of stories
1: uh, I did it anonymous so people could tell me anonymously what they wanted to and no one really would know other than me who they are um mm-hmm. so I think a lot of people probably had a bad experience in life and wanted something positive to get out of it. That was, like, my only explanation. Like, mm. kind of like a, like an, like a therapy o- almost. Like, you know, you, like, get something good out of the bad, in a way. And mm. it was a really hard time for me because I couldn't... For the longest time, I couldn't accept it. I was like, man, like, what do I do? Do I go to the police? Do I report this? Like, mm. I don't even know what to do, right? Because sometimes I obviously had all the connecting parts. Like, you know, like, mm. they would tell me names or relationships. Who would, like... And I would be like, oh God, like what do I do? And then I mm-hmm. decided obviously not to do anything other than them telling me the story and then making something our- Yeah, making something nice for them and so I can this and um but yeah, it was like it was very surprising that it was mostly sad stories. Um but I kind of used it as my therapy as well. I think that year I was just like, Oh my god, my life is great, like I have no problem. Like, you know, you just like put it yeah. into perspective if you get flooded with like uh, stories of that that are real stories um every day from people and i was just like oh god so like the third year then i did hours which was a conversation so people asked me questions which i then um answered visually uh that one was the hardest probably just because like the information was like just the question sometimes was not you know it was just like what did you have for breakfast like yeah well okay um you know so like sometimes mm. there were the questions were harder than like like stories or even my diary and then the fourth year which was the election year the election year Hillary and Trump um I did hers which is like ask people to tell me stories about women that like influence their lives in like a positive or negative or whatever way um or like stories like that inspire them and women just like to celebrate women in a way and so I did that and then I have like done, I think, I think 1460 posters and to be done just because like, I felt like I needed an end. And then I felt like the audience maybe needed an end in a way too. And at that point, I already had like an open door to whatever I do kind of people would watch. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't only post posters, I would already like, you know, post other things from just like furniture collaborations at the time, or, you know, other things that are like, I did some like collaborations with like clothing brands and so I would already trickle in other stuff on my Instagram mm-hmm. again, not planned, but I already had that door that was open to me from mm-hmm. all the followers because of that project. Yeah. And um, I
0: think it's actually good that you ended it because that's that's kind of how you build the legacy. The legacy is only there when it, you know the real thing is not existing anymore. So I think a lot of people might want to you know get it back and want to see this poster a day because for me I've been following it from the very early days. And for me, it was always, like, super nice to see every day something that was inspiring and that was beautiful. Um, and I was sad to, to see it go, you know? But then, again, you know, this is how the story is created and this is, you know, how the legacy is built from that project.
1: Yeah, to- totally. And it was just, like, also, like, another thing that I was, like, worried about is, like, what's the next one? Like, if mm. I did hers, I would have to do, like, a hymns or something, mm. which I didn't want to do obviously not with the outcome of the election. I was like, yes. there's no way I'm doing this, you know? Um, so I think it was just like a good ending point for me. And and I think, um, you know, at that, and then also it's like uh, the beginning, it was like 30, the first year was 30 minutes, but then all the other years became way more involved because I had to read the emails in the morning, think about which story I want to do uh, all day long about like, you know, images in my head, what I mm. could do with that story. And then I would do it at night. So it was like a way more, uh, you know, time-consuming project at, after year um, year one because it didn't involve me anymore; it involved all the others, right? Mm-hmm. So at that point, I switched from Kickstarter to Mother Mother Design, which is an agency based in New York and in London and in Buenos Aires, and I was a design director, just like working on like big clients from like Target to AIGA and Oscar Hell, like a lot of like juggling to do. And then I was just like, mm-hmm. okay, I can't possibly. <laughs> do all of that and like do all of it right plus I had already other projects um you know like I mentioned before furniture collaborations with like Bauer and um exhibitions and all these things coming up so I was just like okay it's like a good time for the next kind of chapter Mm -hmm. it's great to hear that you think that was a good idea to stop but yeah
0: I mean not I because uh, it, obviously me. not because the project wasn't nice you know but because I just think once you end something you know it's just like the the famous artists you know once once they get out of business for whatever reason you know they become bigger in our in our minds I think you know
1: or maybe I should just shut down completely
0: yeah well <laughs> I, I don't know if <laughs> not sure about that but uh yeah okay so um so what i understand you you worked your you worked along your your day job to become mm-hmm to build a profile of yourself as an artist, you know? And then at some point, I know you, you, um, uh, you also worked for Nike and, um, and, um, you were an an art director there. And at some point you said, okay, you're gonna, you know, gonna do this full time. What fueled this decision?
1: So it was a little like almost, you got it almost, but I was at mother and then at mother, I decided, because I had my green card that I self-sponsored through my studio, I got it in, during the time of Kickstarter, actually, but I never had the balls to just, like, leave and do my own thing. I was just way too scared. And so at Mother, I think, it's when it started to, like, start, where I was just like, okay, now or never kind of thing. So I decided to leave Mother um, and went solo on on my own, uh, doing my uh, studio proba business. And, and then I think I was, like, four months doing it and everything was going pretty well um that's when Nike came along and they were just like hey uh we have a job for you and I was like no no I'm good I just quit my job I'm I'm totally fine so I actually told the recruiter like that I I'm not interested in this and even though Nike was like my dream job like if I would have thought about it or like like I always wanted to work for them but it was the work like wrong timing for me I think and then I was just like nah, like, I gotta do this, I gotta do studio pro, I have to keep doing it, but then Nike also didn't let go, and they were like, no, like, this is a great job, opportunity, and it was, it was amazing what they wanted to do, and what we did, and I think, so I was just, like, talking to my parents and my mom, and she was like, come on, just do it, just, just, try it, why not? You know, you can always go back to doing Studio And I was like, I don't know if I can, but let's Mm -hmm. see. So I actually um, ended up taking the job, um, which was like helping them to build out the New York design studio, which they don't have because all the creative is out of Portland. Mm -hmm. Um, And then obviously out of like some cities like Amsterdam, if it's the European market, but um, they didn't, they wanted to build out little hubs in like their big markets and territories like New York, Singapore, Mm -hmm. Um, Tokyo and stuff and built small creative teams so me and another guy um, Thomas um, were the two that got hired for that job and we kind of like tried to build out a team and um, so plus doing all the Nike projects that touched our territory like the East Coast or New York so Mm -hmm. any activation for from like Off-White to you know like um, basketball court and like in Harlem or whatever Mm -hmm. it would be uh, just touched us and us meaning at that time was just me and thomas which was hard because we tried to like get all the work done but then also hire a team and like it it was just like it was a lot and it was great and um but we started flying around a lot to portland for projects as well because our creative director at the time was based in portland and so we had to go back and forth a lot um Mm -hmm. so on one of the projects i actually met my now partner ian and um he And I did a project that for, I think it lasted for like a year, almost a project or something like that, or like 10 months. It was a long project. But um, so we met uh, on that project here in Portland and he's based in Portland and he runs his own agency. And um, so basically when I went back to New York, he was like the person I had to talk almost every day about um, that project just because it was a very new technology that we were using. And he was like building the new technology um, and I had to like, apply the art or the designs to his technology and you know, so we were probably talking like five times a day for like months. And that's kind of how we met. And then when we started dating, I was kind of like, no, like I can't do this. I can't have a studio Nike and a long distance relationship. This is not gonna work. Like this is crazy. Um so I was kind of hesitant about everything and then obviously how life goes, like you just, you know, at some point you like go, oh, whatever, like it's gonna work out. You can do all three things. So For a year, I think I was doing all three things and I was getting burned down because one of us would fly on weekends um, to like see each other for just a weekend because we both had jobs and like not all the freedom we could have. And a flight to from New York to Portland is six hours. So it's like as if Mm. I'm going home to see my family to Germany. Every weekend. Um, Like every second weekend at least. That's that's nuts. It was nuts. So um, one of us, right? So one of us. So it was like shifting. But honesty which is like we would hang out on like a Saturday and then the next day someone would fly again because it's like time change plus the long flight and then obviously not cheap either like a flight Mm. is maybe like five hundred dollars it's not cheap Mm. so we were doing that for like I think a year or something and then I was just like okay I gotta like reconfigure my life right now I can't do all this and then I was like kind of like put in this um decision of like Nike Studio Proba relationship and I think for the first time in my whole life I didn't choose career I chose like chose life and then basically I chose to leave Nike not because like I loved the company and I loved working there um so not because of them I chose Studio Proba and Ian like over them and that was kind Mm. of like a first decision that I ever made like that wasn't career-based I was freaking out about it but um but then once I left Nike or right before I was leaving I got an email from Dropbox and they were like, hey, we have this giant wall, can you paint it? And I was like, oh my God, awesome, cool. I'd be there like next week if that works, right? So like it all kind of fell together. And um, I did the first um, Dropbox mural in New York for the headquarters in New York while I was still at Mother. And then I didn't do much of murals for a while just because I didn't have the time to travel with jobs. Mm-hmm. And, and so when that came right in the time when I was leaving... Uh, I was like, okay, that's a good start of like, you know, going solo kind of thing. And then um, I flew to San Francisco to paint that mural and then I went to Portland and then I hung out a little bit here with uh, my boyfriend and we just kind of figured out life um, in a way. And so, yeah, so I've been, and then everything kind of kept falling together and project kept happening. And, um, you know, from murals on just the wall, I kind of like, push myself and doing it on other objects just because of my background in furniture and like I don't think I prefer doing like the unexpected over the expected kind of thing and um you know and then I just like would build out my my home business a little bit more too with my textiles and all that stuff that was that I was already doing next to my full time jobs but I just mm-hmm. like kind of like dived fully in and just started doing my own thing and that's been now I think years or something like that um or maybe a little longer i can't i don't even know because of last year covid um but yeah it's been a while and it's been going really good and i'm like very thankful
0: about that wow what an introduction <laughs> <laughs> it's like 30 minutes uh but i think it, yeah i mean i was i was like man i'm the host you know i gotta say something i gotta gotta host this podcast but it was so you know it was so cool listening just to all of this you know, um, it's super inspiring, uh, the story. Um, and I've Thanks. obviously I have a, a lot of questions. You know, I, I've prepared, you know, like this typical host list of questions, everything. I just want to like connect right to the piece when you when you said like he started doing all of these other objects. So you do you know textiles, rugs, and, and pillows, and, and but you also do like basketball courts, ping pong tables, ob- objects. I don't know what to call them. Like a lot of different type of stuff. And I know you also sell them. How do how do you make that step from creating to becoming like a commercially successful person?
1: I mean, it was just, again, it was kind of like the next, that was like right after poster day. Um, I, I didn't want to let them like die in the archives of the internet or, you know, I just kind of was like, okay, there's a lot of them that I like and there's a lot of them that I don't like, but like the ones that I like, I kind of wanted to bring them to life. And um, one logical thing was the rugs. So I started, um, uh, you know, first I did a like collaboration with another rock maker in Brooklyn to just like understand, you know, everything I guess about it. And that one went really well. And we got featured in the New York times where I was just like, Oh my God, like what? Like, and then we um, the, got exhibited at the Cooper Hewitt, um, which is like a museum in mm. um, New York. and and that was just like my first like rock collection that I ever did. And I was like, okay, well, they seems to be going well. Maybe That's I just well. like, rep- Maybe I repurposed some of my already like done graphics, like the poster day ones that were like popular, and tried to translate them into rugs. And I think that was like the second step. And then I just like started selling them on just like you know my Squarespace website. I just like put everything on there and just did all the rugs made to order. I didn't. I don't have an inventory of them they more to like they're all made to order and are supposed to be like art pieces rather than just like a mass Mm -hmm. production so that was like a conscious decision just because like i don't have a warehouse i don't want a warehouse of things um and i don't want to like get into like a distribution thing and uh and then it just like that site was like slowly building out and then my art site was slowly building out and and i'm the person that if i want something like i i'm always trying to get it like I really wanted to paint a pool. Like I, that was like my dream job is like paint a pool. And so um, I basically just make a, made a render of a pool that looked pretty real of being a hmm. pool. And then that's how, and I was like, I want a pool basically, you know? And then hmm. someone, and then I got contacted um, by this architecture company. They were like, hey, we have a pool. And I was like, oh my God, awesome. You know, like, so I think if I want something, I just like always try to do it. And also with my pillow set up, I guess, a year old now, but um, they're different than other pillows. They, like, made, like, my rugs, and um, they're all handmade, all hand-woven, and I think one takes, like, two weeks to make, and um, that's another thing where that I want. I just didn't want to do the, you know, the mass. Again, like, I didn't want to just have printed pillow covers. I wanted mm-hmm. them to be, like, my work and dimensional, and um, my weavers, um, I, when I first told them what I want, they were like, there's no way we can't do that. And I was like, no, 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 you can Believe me, it's possible, hmm. you know. And they're like, okay, well, we can try. And then they tried it and it worked out really well. But I think I'm the person that if people tell me, like, no, I'm just like, no, 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 this is going to work. Like, believe me, you know. And then they often like try it. And I'm working on a project right now that I keep getting like no's from everyone. I was like, it can't be that hard. And then I accidentally emailed, I think the same company I emailed, manufacturer that I emailed before. And they were like, man, you really want those? I was like, yes. And they're like, okay, let's try, right? So, I think, um, like, I just keep pushing and I don't take no for an answer. And I'm really good at making decisions and really fast decisions. So, I think that's why it looks like my output is pretty high. But but everything I design, everything I make, everything I ship is, like, all done by me. Like, I pack every single order for the pillows and I box it up and I bring it to the post office. And, like, now I organize, actually, pickups because of COVID. But, yeah, like it's all like still my production. And I think people think that I'm a studio of 10 or sometimes, you know, like, yeah, a, I, w-
0: I wanted to add, this is also one of my questions. I wanted to know, like, yeah. do you have like, empl- do you have employees?
1: No, I don't really, I, I use assistance for murals. So I, um, because painting um, a large scale mural, like it's better to have more people, it's more fun, but it's also like faster, obviously, than hmm. me being like two weeks just painting, because in that time, when I paint, there's nothing else I can do. I barely can, like, reply to emails. So, um, like, now I use assistants. And at this point, I, after so many murals and projects, I have my little, like, um, raster of uh, assistants that I trust and that know how to paint my work. And um,
0: Do you give them, like, a, a sketch of what you want to do and they just paint based on the sketch? Or do you... So,
1: I'm always there... To do it right so this year was the only first time that i wasn't part of one mural just because of COVID. but um yeah it's like normally i'm there they're just like listening to what i tell them what to paint or what to do i sketch it out they don't sketch it out and um but a lot of people like my work is like very clean i guess like the shapes and the murals are very like clean and i mm-hmm. do and the edges are clean but i don't use tape i just it's all freehand and a lot of people or designers or artists, like, have trouble doing that style because their style is very different. So it took me a while to, like, even find the right people that can work with me and want to work in that style because it's, uh, it's like, a very, like, slow process. Like, you can't Mm. just... Like, sometimes they would come, like, yeah, I can paint, and then it would just put a lot of paint on I was like no 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 this needs four layers and not just one you know like mm-hmm. just because of how the technique works and so now at this point after so many murals, I have really solid people and they're like really trustworthy and great and I have them like in multiple cities at this point and um so basically they work with me contractor-based meaning like whenever I have a project and they I need someone like I'm painting two murals in uh february actually i'm driving down to california doing a whole road trip but the first one i'm paint i'm painting with my assistant from she's here in portland and then um one assistant that i painted many murals for even the second one in um, Mm -hmm. san francisco she's in la and she's gonna drive up to to san jose actually for that mural and then we're gonna keep driving down to like palm strings and i'm painting another mural so um, so they're like kind of like my team, but they're not full-time hires or anything. They're just okay. contract-based. And then I have like a couple designers. One is actually, I guess one, she's based in Paris, that every now and then she like freelances for me, but she's um, she's like knows my work pretty well. And like if I have a lot of tasks that I have to get done or just like ideation stuff for projects, um, like, you know, like she the design projects, I guess she can do or help me with but um like designing my murals designing my art and there's like no other person that can do it than me so I couldn't even hire for that right so Mm. yeah so I think I work mostly just like with teams like that and then this last year actually I did went back to branding again even though people forget about that part of my life but I um did like a shampoo branding for Harry's which is a company out of New York and that was like a big project so i hired out like a team of five people right mm. like just for that project um but so that's kind of how my like how i work but then if it's like answering to press or answering orders or complaints about something not arriving or being that's broken all that's all on me yeah wow
0: wow i can i can see you have a you have a busy day
1: yes yeah. <laughs> which is good like
0: <laughs> how, how long does it take to paint such a mural
1: uh it depends like it depends always on the
0: a lot size, of factors obviously. actually
1: from the size one but then the other one is like the texture of the wall like sometimes if it's like a um stucco or like a weird concrete texture it's like the first few layers that you paint like the wall kind of like eats up like it like sucks it in kind of thing so you that makes you take it like even more layers and it takes a long time but with a team of like two or three it's probably always between like a week to two weeks wow um and then we paint from my paint schedule is a little crazy too it's like we paint from eight till eight and sometimes longer wow. and then they just get like a lunch
0: breaks so wow, it's uh, kind of yeah it sounds pretty ambitious
1: yeah but i just can't like do more because the time i spend and every like wall like that i lose time on other things and mm-hmm. i it's hard to like you know, um, sometimes I get a mural request for the same week and I have mm. to decide between one and because when I say, like, I can send an assistant, they're like, no, 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 like, we I don't want, you. want, and yeah, so, and which makes sense because if you buy a painting, you don't want it painted by someone else, right, like, um So they see it as like that, the same equivalent to art, and they're purchasing art that is on location, but they want the artist there. But COVID changed everything a little bit because last year I managed to pose, uh, I mean, paint two murals without me being there. So,
0: mm. but this is, I mean, at the end, it shows you that you're considered more an artist than a designer, right?
1: Depends on the project. I mean, for that part, yes, but then for the brand project I'm definitely a designer and then if I design tables um, or tables or collections like furniture I'm more a designer but then I often paint them again which makes it an artist so I think I think I'm in this weird in between way kind mm-hmm. of thing.
0: Why do I mean you've talked about the rugs and you know all the products you ship and we've also talked about the murals why why do I mean I guess it's mostly like business customers you know that want the murals right?
1: No, it's private. It's business. It's um, anyone, actually.
0: Okay. But if it's businesses, why do they do it? Do they do it for for marketing or is it usually like showrooms or hotels?
1: Um, If it's businesses, it's often like companies like their offices to make them like more, I guess, fun and friendly. When clients come or even for the people that work there, then there's restaurants that have like a concept and they want to bring in like a mural that works in that concept. Or you know hotel lobbies and things like that. So I think it's always like the mural became like back in I think at the beginning when I was started painting my murals, I did some outside also like in Chinatown and you know like New York. And mm-hmm. my dad would be like, "Why are you standing on the street painting a wall? Like what what happened to you, I mean, right?" <laughs> and I would be like, and I was just like, "No, this is great. Like murals. Are, so like I think what murals or street art used to be has completely shifted to." um because what my parents know is like you know like you graffiti something quickly and it's not commissioned and it's mostly Mm -hmm. not legal or whatever but mine were all obviously commissioned pieces and um I think people just like like how it transforms like a space into you know something else and um they prefer it at this point I think over hanging art I guess um and it kind of became this trendy thing almost I feel like at least in the In the united states like um it's definitely a thing Mm -hmm. but i paint outside of it too like i have a couple now in colombia which i think it just changed shifted a little bit that it's accepted as like a form of art and not just like something illegal i guess
0: the prices for all of your products on the website but what does it cost me as a business to have a, a mural painted by you
1: Ah, uh, that's an interesting question
0: <laughs> example you know if i would ask you you know for our company cherry deck we have a, a, a 10 people office and we have a, a wall about the size of a, a quarter of a tennis court how, how how much would i have to pay for that
1: so i would first ask you all these questions of like okay give me the measurements what's the wall made out of mm. the texture all these things then I would make you an estimate being like first phase of that is like design development which is actually me designing specifically for that space making art for that mocking it up into space in a render or uh, what elevation view then having that as like phase one and that's like design that's like my day rate mm-hmm. basically my design day rate and then mm. The next phase is like the execution at site. So actually meaning me coming to your office, doing the work. And that's my day rate, how many days I estimate. Let's say I say like 10 days, you would have to pay my day rate of 10 days Mm -hmm. um, for painting. And painting and design is a different... And then obviously material costs and all these things would fall on the client as well. So like paint and all these things. And um, also because you're in Germany, you would probably have to like... Pay my tickets and my my hotel room, right? But that's like my model and um I
0: do do you have like a like a pricing for your artist footprint? What does that mean? I mean you have the day rates, you know, which Mm -hmm. is like basically based on the days, but after all it's it's kinda like a piece of art. Mm -hmm. And you would expect or I would expect that I that I don't pay by the day rate that I pay, you know, for the artist. At the end of the day yeah you know? so
1: that's an interesting one with murals you would think that that's how it works most of the people that i know that do murals they charge by square foot which i think is crazy because uh, or square meter because i think that makes you be like a contractor in the mm-hmm. way of like how you paint a wall white right like mm-hmm. um because yeah, they course. charge that way and that makes sense because they all they do is like paint not that it's not hard i'm just saying that they don't put their art on it right they just like painted white or green or whatever color they want and they squ- uh, charge per square meter, square foot. And that makes sense. But a lot of clients email me and, uh, and are like, hey, what's your square foot price? I was like, I don't have a square foot for sure. mm-hmm. like Because I don't like agree with that model. So like the only way to get the value out that I need from it is making it with that model, model that I described. And that one kind of like doing that model secures me the money that I actually need for for myself to be of value, I guess for it, and mm-hmm. also be considered still like, okay, cool, it's an art piece, and it's not just like nothing. And I, I mean, I started painting murals for free because I didn't have any any to show. So how will I get hired if mm-hmm. I don't have a portfolio of murals? Yeah, of right? course.
0: So, I mean, it's how most artists kind of start, right?
1: Yeah. So I did like a couple. Of, I was like, I really want them, so I'm I'm just paid and paint, and I do it, you know, kind of thing. And obviously now it's like a very different like time for me and also like i wouldn't paint for every business like i make decisions on does it work with me and my brand like is this something i support ethically i wouldn't paint for everyone if that makes sense
0: you mean like not for every company yes or who, who wouldn't you paint for yeah
1: i mean companies that i don't believe in i think um you know like either that like that i just don't believe the mission let's say they just like using terrible materials that are bad for the environment or whatever it is right mm. like companies like that or just companies that are too commercial for me i guess like um that i don't want my work to be like i have to always think about what is studio pro and what is my work so i actually don't i know a lot of people would love to be in like a starbucks or something i would not paint for starbucks like mm-hmm. you know just because that's that level of commercial there is like high, too high for me that i don't like my work to be in if that makes sense
0: but so i understand i think i understand but commercial you don't mean by the size of the business because obviously if you paint for dropbox it's 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 something different so you Mm -hmm. mean like the the level of commercial automation that or how can can i say like
1: like franchises almost yeah yeah yeah. like 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 mcdonald let's say say mcdonald's McDonald's, i'm i might do mcdonald's i kind of think that would be fun but when i think about it as a like as a brand, right? Like I need mm. to like align with, if I agree with their mission or what they do, do would I actually buy, not Dropboxes per se, but let's say it's like a cosmetic company. Like then mm. do I agree with their brand? Like is their logo something I like? <laughs> like it's like little decisions like that, that I want my, like, I don't want my brand to be connected to something that I don't like or don't agree with, I guess.
0: Okay, yeah, I understand that perfectly. Um, I think it's it's something a lot of artists do when they 're a little bit more mature when the, when they have the the freedom of deciding you know who to, who to work for when they're financially independent yeah. yeah. I want to uh, touch a different topic, which uh, is well, the topic of copyright infringement. So, you're a, you're an artist with you know hundreds of thousands of followers, you have a high output, so you have a very clear and distinctive style. You know, you've been mentioned in, in a lot of newspapers like from Vogue to New York Times and Harper's Bazaar, so all the big big names. Do you see a lot of people like copying your work? Uh, I mean, I'm, I don't mean privately, but for, for commercial purposes.
1: Yeah, um, yes. Uh, and that's been like a thing ever since already the posters, I think, started. Like there were companies that would just literally just sometimes even just take the poster from the website and just like print it on iPhone cases and stuff. And there's like one company in the Ukraine that just kept doing that. And then at that time, I didn't really have much like there's not much you can do and they just like blocked me and then I kind of was like okay whatever I have to see past this and there's a lot of a lot of ones like you know I had like anthropology make a rug like maybe 80 90 percent similar to mine mm-hmm. and they just like t- tweak like two things that they make different um so there's a lot of that and I think we all struggle like all designers and artists are currently struggling with that because A, you put it out there on Instagram, which is like, you know, everyone can see it, uh, which is great because that's how we get work and how we sell things too. And then you have the other side of it, which is like, you know, people just copying and pretending it's their own or whatever they want. And I think it's a tough one because like a lot of my stuff is registered now. So like I uh, would never go after like, uh, just like you, you know, you feel like painting my painting at your house. Like I would never Mm. go after you. Um, but that's more like, like
0: an, like an honor. You know, or not, not not because of me, you know, but like a, you know, that somebody wants to do, wants to, yeah. you know, gets inspired by you and they, they you know, they don't yeah. don't want to sell it.
1: Yeah, and I'm all about getting inspired. I think I'm just like the, I am get really weird when it's like one-to-one. But if it's like a big con- like company, you know, like I, at this point, like have a lot of my stuff registered, which... I could go after someone like, uh, you know, anthropology if I wanted to, just because now I have like the leverage. I didn't used to have it. And I think what I learned through the time and like all these years doing it, I think you just kind of have to, if you see something on Instagram, that is like not a real, like a small business or whatever it is, you kind of have to just be like, okay, whatever, forget about it. Just keep creating new things and like kind of being like ahead of the curve and just like trying to see it as a compliment or knowing that, whoever just, like, copies, they probably can't really do it on their own or, like, come up with something new on their own. So, like, that's, like, the only thing I can, like, tell myself is, like, okay, cool, move on, Um, next thing, like, um, just keep going kind of thing. I honestly don't really want to know what's out there in, like, other countries that I have no idea. You know, like, let's say China is very fast Mm -hmm. and just, like, producing the new Nike shoe. Like, I'm sure they're really fast in producing a pillow of mine if they wanted Mm -hmm. to. So I think I'm just trying to, like ignore it as much as i can until like something like big big happens and i then have to go after which i haven't done yet but i talked to a lawyer last year a lot and he like set me up for like all these things that i could technically go after someone if i needed to mm-hmm.
0: okay yeah, that's good to know i think you're probably doing it the right way you know at the end of the day what you do obviously you, you do it you know because it's your job but also you know, you pull such so much positive energy out of your work, you know, what you do, there's the creations you have, you know, they're really inspiring, I guess, also for yourself, you know, the accomplishment of finishing something, Uh, I guess, if you would follow like all the copyright issues all the time, you would just put you down, especially if you don't have Mm -hmm. a, a team to do that. anything else you know you want to you want to talk about so i mean i have thousands of questions obviously ask
1: another question
0: okay so who's Mm -hmm. your your biggest inspiration
1: that's a long answer you ready for it
0: yes
1: (laughs) well it's it's i get asked that question a lot just like who inspires you and what inspires your work and i think i try to not be inspired by too much like let's say you know instagram pinterest like you can find so much trends and the new in color or whatever so obviously i like my brain sees it but I try to not be inspired by it in like a direct way so when I create or I design a mural or I design a painting I just literally just start doing it without looking at things and without a concept really and often when I can't do that I will either call my grandma which has been like the only like creative person in my family she used to be a florist back in the day and she taught me how to cook and like do all those like gardening creative things that I can imagine as like a kid and she will be the one that you know that how talking to her will um totally help me or just like being outside in the world because a lot of my work is inspired I guess um from nature and like patterns from like the everyday and that was in a poster day same thing was just like the inspiration came from my days and so I think I still keep doing that momentum of using that as inspiration and um a lot of people ask me like if there's one artist that I really like or something and I think her work is very different than mine which is great so um it was it's pay to good uh she's a London based furniture and space and clothing designer and I love her work and I think if I ever could work with her that would be amazing but again um very different type of work and uh so yeah I think the everyday is maybe my answer for your question
0: okay nice it's a I think it's a good closing statement I'm going to f- Officially say thank you. Thank you. It was really great listening to you. I think we could talk. At least I could listen for for at mm. least two more hours. Just two. Or maybe five or, or <laughs> ten. You know, I could listen the whole day, all day long. It was it was very very interesting. Um, everybody who who has been listening to this now, we have another episode with Alex, which is much shorter, which is more like a, a directed. Yeah, people who want to learn about. Uh, you know tips and tricks and, and, and opinions uh, on certain topics from alex uh, listen to it it's also in the list of the podcast alex thank you very much we're going to put all the show notes into um into the blog at, on cherry and also um on the description here in the podcast thank you for for tuning in and and have a great day
1: thank you for having me have a great day too